From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. But instead of taking the opportunity to unite America, he used the occasion to stoke the flames of division. This sacred right is under assault with incredible intensity like I've never seen, even though I got started as a public defender and a civil rights lawyer. With an intensity and aggressiveness that we've not seen in a long, long time. It's simply un-American. About the election reform measures being passed in states across the nation. While the president speaks with great passion of tragedies of a century ago, the present tragedy on the southern border only grows worse because of ill-conceived policies and neglect. Here is a video clip of a five-year-old boy holding a teddy bear dropped at the border last Thursday night in El Paso. The little boy, who was reportedly dropped by a smuggler, is crying and begging not to be left. This is not isolated, but it is the result of the policies of the Biden administration, and they call this compassionate. This is anything but compassionate. We'll be joined by Texas Congressman Michael Cloud, who is actually on the southern border with fellow members of Congress assessing the situation. Also, the Biden administration is in full rainbow regalia as embassies around the world are flying the rainbow flag for Pride Month. Even the Pentagon is trying to navigate an existing executive order that only allows the U.S. flag to be flown on military installations so that they can fly the rainbow flag. Celebrating Pride Month, the Army Times published an op-ed calling for members of the Military Chaplains Corps to get in line with supporting LGBTQ soldiers or get out, meaning there would be no room in our nation's military for chaplains who preach and teach the Bible. We'll talk about it with our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin later here on Washington Watch. And as I've said, we're going to continue tracking government-sponsored racism known as critical race theory. Stanley Kurt, Senior Fellow with Ethics and Public Policy Center, joins us to explain how the left is pushing this on schools all across the nation. Then our own Meg Kilgannon, who was in the Trump Department of Education, joins us with the how. How we stop the indoctrination of our children and the rest of the nation's children by the extreme left. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. Uh, let me uh, remind you, tonight we're in Southern California. We're broadcasting live from his channel, the studios in Southern California. Grateful for their partnership and the platform that they've provided for Washington Watch. Tune in tonight on his channel at 7 p.m. I'll be with Pastor Jack Hibbs for their Wednesday night service, which is aired here on his channel. And again, uh, also tonight, before that, that's 7 p.m. Pacific time. I think I said Pacific time. I'm trying to get my time zone straight. Uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time. But before that, in the 8 p.m. Eastern hour, we'll have our weekly pray vote stand. Again, uh, coming to you from his channel here in Southern California. We'll be delving deeper into America's wokeness tonight on pray vote stand. All right. If you thought the crisis at the southern border was bad, hold on. It might get worse. Yesterday. The Biden administration officially put an end to the President Trump's remain in Mexico policy, which made immigrants wait in Mexico instead of allowing them to come to the U.S., waiting for their documents to be processed. The policy, technically known as the Migrant Protection Protocols, was put on pause after President Biden took office in January, but now it is no more, according to a memo issued yesterday by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. So while the president's mouth may be telling immigrants not to come, his actions are saying otherwise. With me now to talk about this crisis on the southern border and more is Congressman Michael Cloud, who is presently leading a delegation of Congress to visit the Texas-Mexico border. He represents the 27th Congressional District of the Lone Star State. Congressman Cloud, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you. Good to be with you here today. 
What uh, What's the situation there on the border? Well, it's bad, and it's getting worse. It's uh, un- unbelievable what we're having to deal with on a daily basis here in Caltech. Each day, people across this district, across South Texas communities, are having to deal firsthand uh, with what's going on at the border. And what's really sad is every stage and every step that we talk to, uh, no matter what it is, who we're talking to, the boots on the ground, they understand that what the Biden administration has done in continuing to put bad policies in place is making the job of securing and protecting our border and dealing with the cartel influence extremely, extremely difficult. Uh, Congressman, we've, we've gotten scant reports because uh, even the vice president who is in charge of the border hasn't gone down there that I'm aware of, at least not spent any time uh, to speak of. And the the press is not reporting it because um, it's it's a disaster. Um, is it as bad as you thought it was? It's bad, and it's continuing to get worse. And what's really tragic about the situation is we don't have the willpower to fix it at the moment uh, from the administration. You know, Congress has already, for example, appropriated the funds to continue building the border wall, the infrastructure, and and it's important to note that that's not just a physical barrier, but it's also the technology that goes across the border. Taxpayers are already paying for it. The contract's already made, but the executive order from from Biden has canceled construction on it. So we visited a portion yesterday where they had the lights installed already, but we can't finish running power to it so that our agents can see what's going on at night. This is how ridiculous the policies are that are exacerbating the situation at, at the border and continuing to aid in aid cartels instead of protecting and serving our communities. Uh, Congressman Cloud, one of the things we've heard from this administration is that they want a policy that's more compassionate. I don't know if you, you heard the clip I played at the beginning of the program of a five-year-old boy uh, dropped there, I think, where you are uh, last Thursday night. Um, how can that be described as compassionate? It's not, and somehow the extreme left gets away with trying to describe lawlessness as compassion when it's not at all. Aiding and abetting cartels is not compassionate. These cartels uh, devastate the communities here in South Texas. Right now the Biden solution to solving the problem at the border is to import it throughout the the rest of the communities uh, throughout the United States, often in times uh, the dark of night, not coordinating with local officials at all, so it's your local hospitals who are having to put the bill. It's it's your schools that are uh, dealing with this challenge uh, that's going on. But they haven't. The cartels have a destabilizing force in Central South America, uh, in Mexico, and so these nations that are trying to develop as well can't get rid of the corrupting influence. And that corrupting influence has crossed the border. Uh, we had a briefing today where we we talked about uh, an investigation that happened that finally led to a prosecution uh, where. The cartels had corrupted. There were two candidates for a sheriff's race, and both were corrupted and already paid for uh, by the cartels. And so if we don't mitigate this, if we do not be very forceful about pushing back against the cartels, we have a very dangerous future ahead here in the United States of America. Uh, Congressman, the situation has gotten so uh, pronounced there in the state of Texas that Governor Abbott has declared a disaster in 34 a state of emergency in 34 counties near uh, the border there with Mexico, claiming that the president uh, and his administration uh, has allowed a flood of drugs and gang members to cross back and forth across the border. What else can you tell us about that? It's it's a great move. Uh, it's certainly going to be helpful. Uh, this is supposed to be a federal responsibility, and it's unfortunate that Texas had to keep stepping up to deal with this situation. Uh, this is supposed to be a federal responsibility, and so we need to see the federal government step up to do it. And I, I mentioned Congress has already acted on, on this, and so we need to see the Biden administration fulfill its duty to fulfill the oath of office to protect and uphold the laws of the United States of America. One of the big things that, that President Trump did that we're not seeing right now, everybody talks about, for example, Remain in Mexico policy and the other things, but he simply – He simply enforced the laws that were already on the books, and so we're not seeing that right now. And our resources in the whole law enforcement apparatus across uh, across the southern border are completely outmatched, outfunded, outmanned, outresources for all their best efforts against the extraordinary resources the cartels have.
and so we've got to take this really seriously. Yeah, I was uh, on the border a little over a year and a half ago, and uh, I mean, it was like a ghost town. Uh, because the policies of the Trump administration were working and, and people were not illegally crossing the border. I want to shift gears, uh, Congressman Cloud. Uh, yesterday, President uh, Biden was in Tulsa uh, marking the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre, obviously a blight on, on American history. But instead of using the opportunity to unite America, he used it to divide America with a, another call for the passage of H.R. 1, which is the federal takeover of elections. Um, our, Texas actually in the news right now because Democrats walked out of a session there in which election reform measures were about to be voted on. The governor now saying he'll call a special session. What is it that the Democrats fear about fair and free elections? I think they're afraid that they'll lose in a fair and free election. Uh, what we're seeing here in the state of Texas, this is a trick they pulled before on other serious uh, issues when it comes to the state of Texas. Unfortunately, this has become a issue. We're seeing pushback against common sense, very practical election security measures. Uh, you know, the kind of measures you need to check out a book at your local library, for example, to vote. Uh, so these are not very extraneous burdens on, on anyone. And to try to turn it into all the tone, overtones that they put on them are really ridiculous, and the American people see through it. Yeah, you're right. The Democrats pulled that, uh, I think, back in uh, 2001 in Texas where the redistricting was taking place, and they uh, they walked out. They used, the, the governor, I believe, had to get the uh, Texas Rangers to go track down Democratic members of the legislature to force them to do what they were elected to do, and that is to vote. I mean, when you see it, you have 48 states that have introduced almost 400 different pieces of legislation to address the uh, election irregularities that took place this past fall. Texas is certainly not a standout in this. I mean, not an outlier. Uh, it is leading the way, but it's not an outlier. All So many of these states have seen the problems. Americans have seen the problems. But the Democrats, their solution is more federal government to federalize our elections, which is the last thing Americans need. The Constitution is pretty clear that this is, by and large, a state issue in managing the elections in their home state. Uh, we've constantly seen the attempt to uh, rip apart the federal process or the federal, the federal structure that a republic is supposed to stand upon that was founded in our Constitution. Uh, so we're seeing this trend away from a constitutional republic to Marxism. We're seeing it in the election law. We're seeing it through the border crisis. We're seeing it through virtually every single apparatus that you could find uh, right now that the uh, Biden administration has their hands in. And, and so this is a, it's tragic for where we're at in, in our nation. We need the American people to be aware of it. Uh, we need the American people to make sure we show up and, and continue to work at every level. Uh, to, to have a strong voice in this. It's time for, uh, for us to, to be involved and to be active. Absolutely. Uh, Congressman Michael Cloud, thanks so much for, for taking time to join us there from uh, the southern border. Sure thing. Thank you. God bless. All right. Congressman Cloud of Texas. To find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, one of the guys working on your behalf in the United States Congress. Coming up next, the military should be fighting America's wars and defending Americans and our allies, but yet the Biden administration using it as a laboratory for social experimentation once again. We'll be joined by our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin next. Don't go away. What is Roe versus Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress, or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. 
After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com. Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Check it out. All right, we were just talking with Congressman Michael Cloud. We have a crisis on our southern border. We have experienced major cyber attacks on critical infrastructure, the Colonial Pipeline, which caused gas shortages and price hikes on gasoline. Now we've had attack, uh, an attack on, a meat, on meat packing plants that will no doubt lead to uh, spikes in, uh, short, uh, on, uh, and shortages of meat. But, but we can proudly say we're forcing elementary school kids to march to the beat of the transgender drum, and we're pushing critical race theory successfully throughout education in America, and we're transgendering our nation's military. So we should all be happy, Right. Joining me now to talk more about this, our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Executive Vice President of the Family Research Council and a founding member of the Delta Force. General, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, Tony. Glad to be with you. Well, we uh, there's no doubt we're in uh, Pride Month as the administration has focused all of its attention, apparently, on uh, promoting uh, gay pride in our nation's military, trying to navigate an existing executive order that only allows the American flag to fly on military installations. But the Army Times uh, commemorating or celebrating this month with an op-ed from a chaplain who is uh, essentially saying that if a chaplain does not affirm LGBTQ soldiers, there's no room for them in our nation's military. Yeah, let's get down to the bottom line on this. This is about having a woke military, and that is because the Marxist movement in this country is so powerful. You and I have talked about that multiple times. But look, this is ideology. I mean, this is theology for for the people that are so into this woke mentality. And what they're talking about doing now is reducing the readiness of our military by forcing these kinds of experimental programs on our military. And and may I just say, and, and hear me out before anybody goes berserk, if you look back at, uh, at Russia, when Stalin first came to power, one of the things that he did was he purged about 36,000 of his top-ranking officers out of a military. Uh, many of them now were executed, but he purged them out of the military. And that's why they were so ill-prepared for World War II is because the leadership had been purged. And you are seeing the same thing happening in our military today because of this woke mentality that's being forced on them. 
And there's an article out that I just read today about how the military is bleeding people right now. Senior people are leaving the military in droves, and recruiting has become a problem. There's Speaking to that, uh, a group of 39 House Democrats, as according to The Hill, on Tuesday introduced new legislation to ensure that transgender dependents of active-duty service members have access to needed health care. It's the Armed Forces Transgender Dependent Protection Act, and what it would do is would prevent the Defense Department from stationing service members and their transgender dependents in states or countries that prohibit or otherwise restrict gender-affirming health care and treatments for them. This would include many, uh, con- many states in uh, the United States of America, for instance, that uh, apparently would not allow um, experimentation on minors like Arkansas. Uh, it, it, how does this help military readiness? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it doesn't. I mean, that's the simple answer is it doesn't. I, you've heard me say before that uh, if, if you think in terms of fairness, um, in, in your life, then you probably think a bull won't charge you because you're a vegetarian. But the reality is, if you want to go back to this issue of fairness, how can it be fair to create a subculture within the military because they have a child or a dependent that considers themselves the opposite of their biological uh, uh, gender, if you will? How can that be fair? How can that be fair and even across the board? And that's what this this uh, Marxist movement is supposed to be about, is fairness, equality. Uh, it's anything but fair or equal. In general, we've talked about this before. In order for the Marxist theology, the Marxist doctrine to take root, you really have to remove religious conviction and views, traditional biblical views. And that's what I see afoot as it pertains to the chaplains in the military. And I go back to this letter that was in the Army Times, this op-ed, where it essentially says the, the right or the purpose of the chaplains are to affirm the needs of soldiers. Now, I don't believe chaplains are there to affirm the needs based upon what the soldier defines those needs to be. A role of a chaplain is to attend to the spiritual needs, and that oftentimes means telling them the truth, whether they want to hear it or not. Listen, from the beginning of the chaplain's corps in in our military, uh, which started all the way back in the Revolutionary War, chaplains have never been asked as a policy of the Department of Defense or of the military to to violate their own conscience, to uh, compromise on fundamental issues of their faith, regardless of whether they were Jewish, Catholic, Protestant, uh, or whatever they were. And now, because we're bringing in this Marxist theology that's called being woke, uh, and by the way, that's what critical race theory is right out of the Marxist playbook. It's part of this woke culture, and now we're asking them to compromise on some of the most fundamental things that chaplains uh, come into the Army with, armed with, so that they can be effective in meeting the spiritual needs of the young men and women. And look, it doesn't take long. If, if you have a chaplain in your unit and you don't like what that chaplain tells you, you just simply don't go to that chaplain. You simply don't do that. But I will tell you that uh, when when the lead starts flying, most of the time, one of the people they're looking for is a chaplain that has told them the truth. Right. Absolutely. General Jerry Boykin, I want to thank you uh, for joining us. Always great to talk with you. Good to be with you, Tony. All right, folks, uh, talking about critical race theory, that's what we're going to be discussing next as it is making its way into schools all across America, into areas you wouldn't even think it would be possible because they're conservative areas. But it's coming. It's coming. It's happening. Stanley Kurtz joins us next to talk about this reach of the Biden administration into schools with the critical race theory. Don't go away. Coming back with more Washington Watch after this.
Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app. As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview. have you with us we're broadcasting live from the studios of his channel in southern california and we'll be uh, back here again tonight at 7 p.m pacific time with pastor jack hibbs i'll be at his wednesday night service out here in southern california we'll be talking about the uh, the push to make america a socialist nation which ties right into my next guest you know we talk about critical race theory but that's just a portion of what is being pushed by the left throughout America's schools. Democrats are pushing a number of civics bills as a part of their effort to radically reshape the educational and political playing field of America. But my next guest says that Republicans in Congress don't yet recognize either the depth of the policy threat or their tremendous political significance of this battle. And they're going to need to, or else one or more of these bills will actually get through. Hoping to raise the alarm on this is Stanley Kurtz, Senior Fellow at the Ethics, Ethics and Public Policy Center. Stanley, welcome back to the program. Tony, thanks so much for having me back. Let's first talk about, uh, you know, we, a lot of this is being said about critical race theory, but there's a lot more to this agenda that's being pushed through, and in part, it's this civics education, which sounds good to the ears of those of us who remember civics, but it's not your daddy's civics course. That's exactly right, Tony. I mean, I think conservatives get a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling inside when they hear the word civics and they think about the principles of federalism and checks and balances and the three branches. But that's not what uh, liberals and Democrats mean by civics nowadays. I actually give it the name of protest civics. Some people call it action civics. Really what they mean by civics now is training students to demonstrate protest and lobby after school. They even require that they do this. And, of course, the demonstrations and the protests are always on the left. So the Democrats waltz into Congress and say, we're going to give uh, millions, tens of millions, even billions of dollars to fund civics, and the Republicans think, well, that sounds nice. We can be bipartisan about that. But in fact, these so-called civics bills are going to fund both the protesting, the leftist protesting, and the critical race theory. And on top of that, President Biden has just promulgated priority criteria for grants in history and civics that specifically say if you're following the 1619 Project or critical race theory, then you're going to get the federal grant. So this is the problem. And so we're actually talking about actual legislation. Civics Learning Act, this appropriates $30 million a year 
priority uh, criteria for civics grants funded by this bill clearly favors the protest civics, as you talked about. There's the Civic Secures Democracy Act. It appropriates $1 billion a year for six years uh, to fund leftist civics. The Inspired to Serve Act, uh, another along these lines. And you're saying that Republicans really don't appear to understand what's going on right under their noses. That's exactly it, Tony. And there's there's one more bill, a bill that funds uh, civics through the uh, National Endowment for the Humanities. So we've got four bills. Three of them have Republican co-sponsorship. And uh, the most disturbing is probably this uh, Civic Secures Democracy Act, a billion dollars a year for six years. Senator John Cornyn, unfortunately, is a co-sponsor of that in the Senate, and Representative Tom Cole of Oklahoma in the House. And uh, certainly I have been writing to try to alert them to the problem, and I think others have been uh, trying to sound the alarm. And Hopefully Cornyn and Cole will listen. But I think we have a serious problem here, and I am trying to wake up the Republicans in Congress regarding these four bills. Uh, Stanley Kurtz, now, these bills are new, but this move is not. In fact, we can go back, I believe, to the Department of Education under Barack Obama when we began to see some of this move into public school classrooms. And I would argue what we saw last summer in part was the fruit of that effort by the Obama administration when we saw looting and burning in streets all across America. Well, Tony, you're so right to point to Obama's support for Common Core as the model for what's happening here. And people might think to themselves, well, all right, Democrats, you know, waste money. They spend too much money. But what's the harm in uh, in uh, wasting a little money? They don't realize that Obama was able to force the Common Core curriculum on Every almost every state in the union, Texas held out, and I believe one other state held out. But he was able to do this with the grants because education bureaucrats in most states are on the left. So when the federal government puts out these grants with strings on them that force you to do leftist stuff, the bureaucrats apply, and oftentimes a state is committed to a leftist curriculum before anyone in the legislature or the governor or certainly people in their local school districts have had a chance to pronounce. And that is the strategy here. So when we talk about these figures of so many millions and billions and whatever, what that really means is that states are being having that carrot dangled in front of them so they will sign on to the strings. And the strings will force them to teach protest civics and critical race theory, just like Obama was able to force states with grants to teach Common Core. And uh, the reality is we're still dealing with Common Core as states and school districts try to get that out. Uh, Stanley Kurtz, I want to thank you for uh, joining us, and thank you for staying on top of this important issue. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, to find out more about what Stanley has written on this, go to TonyPerkins.com, and you can follow the links over. All right, I'm not leaving this topic. I'm going to come back. Meg Kilgannon, one of the uh, team members here at the Family Research Council, is going to join me. We're going to talk about the how, how you and I can push back, what parents are doing, what they can do to ensure their children are not indoctrinated by the left. That's coming up next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. A lot more still to come in this conversation. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history. 
and it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org slash Roe. The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org slash Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org slash Nigeria. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood facts. I'm Tony Perkins, and you are listening to Washington Watch. So glad to uh, have you with us. If you're watching, you're watching us live from the studios of his channel in Southern California out here this week uh, doing a number of of events. In fact, tonight I'll be with uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, uh, for their Wednesday night service. If, if you're a viewer of his channel, you can watch this at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, if you're not a viewer of his channel, check it out. Uh, you might want to be. Uh, go to hischannel.com. Uh, also, I'll be uh, in uh, San Jose, Chow- Calvary Chapel, San Jose, on, uh, on Sunday with Mike McClure. So, uh, if you're in that area, come out and visit us, as I know we've got uh, listeners in that area. All right, uh, also, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pray Vote Stand. We're going to delve deeper into America's wokeness, so you might want to tune in for that as well. On yesterday's program, we heard from elementary school teacher Tanner Cross, who was suspended, put on administrative leave, for speaking out in a public comment session at the Loudoun County School Board for the effort to push transgender ideology in school policy in the classroom. Now, unfortunately, his case is not unique, and we're seeing radical ideology being forced into schools all across the nation. We're just talking about that with Stanley Kurtz. But as we've highlighted on this program, we're also, we're also seeing pushback from parents, from teachers, from policymakers, from pastors. And as a result, we're seeing some positive developments. With me now to take a a kind of a given overview of what we're seeing in schools today and what can be done, what you can do, is Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council and a former staffer at the Department of Education under President Trump. She also spoke at the Loudoun County uh, School Board meeting back in 2016 when they were initially considering this policy. Uh, Meg, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. All right, how, how far, uh, how, how broad is this push? How widespread is it? I think until you can prove otherwise, I think most people in the United States should assume that their school district is a little enclave of blue 
whether you are in a blue state or a red state and whether or not your state house is controlled by Republicans or Democrats. We simply don't have the same reach into the public schools that you might expect, even in conservative areas. So it's kind of like the old uh, Ronald Reagan adage, trust but verify. Uh, we cannot take anything for granted but have to verify what's being taught to our children in the public school classrooms. Yes, indeed. That's more important now than ever. The um, As we, you talked about before with Stanley Kurtz uh, and the Action Civics, this, this kind of thing is happening in civics where you might expect it. But there are efforts to eliminate um, advanced math, for example, in school districts because it is in, uh, unequitable that some students can take advanced courses while other students don't have those courses available to them. Um, and this is all done in the name of equity, uh, which unfortunately usually means holding everybody back rather than bringing everybody up. So, Meg, for the benefit of our, our listeners, describe uh, the Loudoun County. Uh, th that is not a bastion of liberalism necessarily. Uh, it is an affluent area, but yet this school board has been pretty headstrong in pushing this radical leftist agenda. Yes. When, when we spoke, some of us from Fairfax, Loudoun County borders the county where I live. And we fought this fight starting in 2015 with uh, the issue of gender identity. So when we saw in 2016, Loudoun County was getting ready to do the same thing. A few of us went over and spoke at their school board meeting. And while in Fairfax, we had a couple, we were woefully outnumbered 10 to 2 on our school board. Our two uh, good school board members were great about speaking into the issue. When we got to Loudoun County, which everybody perceived as more conservative, and many of my friends had moved to Loudoun and other outlying counties to get out of Fairfax and then away from the nonsense that was happening there, we found that though they had the votes to put this off at the time, they were not willing to make an argument against the issue. So that leaves it up to people like Tanner Cross, who is a teacher there and who is making the kind of argument about this topic that school board members and elected officials should be prepared to make and, and make very strongly. So how can parents... I mean, how can they stay aware of what's going on and be ready to take action if necessary when they discover this type of curriculum being pushed in their schools? And we're talking about all the way down to elementary school level. Yes, we are. The nice, the, the blessing, one of the blessings of the pandemic, because we know God works for the good in all things and even terrible situations, good things can happen. One of those good things has been the engagement of parents um, and their ability to see, because of online learning, exactly what their children are exposed to and exactly what the subject matter is. And when that happens, parents are often surprised. Most parents like their schools. Most parents have really worked hard to, to have a home in a neighborhood that's in a good school district. And people want to think, they need to think that their schools are good and that, that their hard work is paying off. It's a, it's a very natural and human thing. Uh, but in fact, when you actually peel back the layers of the onion and look at what's going on, you find a system that's controlled by one kind of thinking. It's progressive thinking. And they don't even realize that they don't reflect the values of everyone in the community because there's only one side being argued and articulated. Um, now that there's a little more uh, awareness of what's going on, it's wonderful to see teachers like Tanner Cross speaking out and other teachers across the country. Um, and that is, the, that is what needs to happen. You need to see what's happening with your kids, engage their teachers, engage the school board, let them know what you think, and have a conversation. And there's uh, certainly, try to engage them constructively. There's, there's additional steps that can be taken, as we're actually seeing there in Loudoun County, 
as this is exposed, and that's a part of what I'm doing here, so, so let me just tell all those on the left who are listening, I, I want to expose what you're doing because I want parents to take action, and I want them to remove liberal school board members who are actively or indifferent toward the indoctrination that's taking place with our children and ruining our, ruining our country. So for those of you on the left, yes, we are absolutely setting our sights on public schools and what is happening in those classrooms, just as parents in Loudoun County are now, because there's now a political pack uh, raising money to recall these bad school board members and put God-fearing, decent individuals on that school board. Yes, that's happening on the national level, too. There are several new PACs that are raising money to support school board candidates, which is a wonderful development. Because when you think about the fact that in Fairfax County alone, we spend $4 billion a year on our school system, and, and it's one of the largest in the nation. But in even in a small town, sometimes the school itself is the largest employer in a community. There are tremendous assets and resources that schools are responsible for. It's infrastructure that is paid for by property taxes and state taxes. And citizens absolutely have a right to, to say how those resources are used and to speak up and, and advocate what they would like to have happen. And it's, it's, it's not overstepping your role as a parent or a citizen to do that. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, uh, I think it's negligence. And we've been guilty of negligence for far too long because we've not really paid attention to these uh, school boards. And as you say, not only are they uh, these massive dispensers of tax dollars uh, and employers, but most important is what takes place in these classrooms. And we're seeing it now with, a, I would say, a, a generation that is lost ideologically. Uh, they, they, they're being taught to hate America. We're seeing this critical race theory that is taking root in our schools, this transgenderism that is, that is confusing our children uh, even further. Uh, and it is not that difficult to mount a campaign for school board. Now, I've, I've been a candidate. I've been elected. I've, done, I've ran for many different offices uh, or a couple of different offices. A school board is not an expensive office to run for. Generally speaking, nobody really does it except the left when they have a targeted campaign for it. And so, parents, uh, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider about whether or not you step out and be a voice for the children of your community and more broadly for the culture uh, as a whole by being involved in what's taking place in America's schools. Meg, speak to that in, in how it's not that difficult to mount a campaign to run for school board. Some of these school board members run unopposed. Uh, all, all across the country. There are many, many school districts who, who have um, seats that are unopposed every year. And if you have been to a PTA meeting and you've been to a school board meeting and you go to the football games on Friday night, uh, you're the perfect person to run for school board. We need accountants to run. We need lawyers to run. We need parents to run. We need people with common sense to run. We need people who value integrity, who, who value the uh, relationships that people have with each other and with their God so that we are bringing values to the school that include everyone. And we're, the, 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 the politics, the, the ideologies behind critical race theory and queer theory are d divide people. They're yes. meant to interrupt relationships, to stunt them. And that, that's got to go. We've got to be building constructive relationships with people so that we can have the sort of country that we've enjoyed growing up in ourselves. Right. You can, so and you can, can only to our children. you can only strive for unity based on truth. And, yes. and when we reject science, we reject facts, and we live in a make-believe world, we can never have unity. And that's what the left is doing. And I think that's by design because when you divide, you have to uh, allocate more power to the ruling class in order to keep order. 
and and that's what they are setting up by what they are doing. I, I you're talking about those that can run for school board. I remember when I was uh, a, a elected uh, about 25 years ago. I was elected uh, same time that uh, another young guy was elected uh, state senator in my home state of Louisiana, and he had been serving on the school board, and he ran uh, for the local school board right after he got out of college, uh, and of course, he didn't have a family, didn't have kids. Uh, but he was a product of the schools, and, and he ran, and nobody else really cared that much about it, and he was successful there, and he used that, and he went on to run for uh, state senate successfully and become a conservative leader in the state. I mean, this is an opportunity uh, for folks that just care about the country. I'm telling you probably one of the most critical points, pressure points right now in America. I mean, we look at what's happening in Washington with the Biden administration and Capitol Hill with Nancy Pelosi and Congress. But right in front of us are these local school boards where the next generation is either going to be won or lost. And I know that, uh, Meg, you are working on some projects with the Family Research Council uh, to come alongside some of those individuals who want to run for school board. Are you ready to talk about that? We are working hard to develop resources and to host events that will give people an idea of what it's like to run for school board, to help them develop talking points on issues, explain to them what is the work that is done on a school board, and how do you go about doing that. And we're going to establish a school board brain trust so that school board members who find themselves confronting a, dif- confronting a difficult issue will have a place that they can call uh, just like the old TV show, uh, uh, you know, phone a friend. They can call someone and get the advice they need at the time that they need it. Um, we're we're not doing enough on the right, I'm afraid, to support the good school board members that we have who are already serving. They're very much alone. The in- educational infrastructure of the left is just incredibly impressive. Yes. There is a whole alphabet soup of groups that do nothing but bombard school systems all across the country with their ideologies. Well, that stops here. We, we begin do to better do better doing that ourselves. We begin to do our part. Uh, Meg Kilgannon, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Glad to have you back on the FRC team. I am so happy to be here, Tony. Thank you so much. All right. And, and folks, if you're interested in this, uh, stay tuned. There's more developments to come. But also I would uh, put out an appeal to those veteran school board members that want to be a part of uh, maybe mentoring new school board members uh, because you know what it's like to stand alone. Well, email me, Tony, at TonyPerkins.com because we want to rely on your wisdom and understanding and help mentoring the next generation of conservative school board members. All right, folks, again, tune in tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time for Pray Vote Stand as we delve deeper into America's wokeness. Also at uh, a little bit later, 7 p.m. Pacific time, that's 10 p.m. Eastern, for you late-nighters on the East Coast, I'll be with Pastor Jack Hibbs at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Tune in uh, for that discussion we have tonight. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 